This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show. Join you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for continuing to join us every single morning, making this part of your morning routines, not only throughout the January transfer window, but of course, throughout the season. Uh, Arsenal finding themselves top of the table and very much looking forward to a North London derby, which we're giving you all the build-up to. But first, we've got a game against Oxford in the FA Cup. And before that, who knows? Maybe there'll be a sprinkling of transfer business to talk about in the time in between. Uh, good morning, those joining us live this morning. Uh, Diane, Seven, Brad, Stevie. Good morning to Peeny Ween, Vegas Gooner, Matt G. Uh, we've got uh, Marcus in the chat, Carl Harrison, Kaiser NSW, uh, Paul Blackshine, Brezzy. Uh, we've got Olu, Amira and Yomi as well. Machiavelli joining us. Chris, Martin, Nav, so many more people in the chat box too. Sorry, I can't say good morning to everybody. And welcome Nate as well to the TGT family. Lovely picture of his little uh, puppy in the picture as well. If you're wondering, just checking that doesn't sound like an innuendo. It's his dog. <laughs> I said that and I was like, hmm, does that sound weird? I hope it doesn't sound weird. Um, anyway, good morning, everybody joining us. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Uh, let's get underway. Firstly, Arsenal paid tribute to the sad passing of West Ham co-chairman David Gold. Um, of course, thoughts are with his family and friends at what is sure to be a difficult time and that with the West Ham United fan base as well. Arsenal uh, took to their social medias to pay tribute to uh, the late David Cold yesterday. Uh, now, we did record a show looking back at the game against Newcastle. Uh, I was joined by Dan Potts, Wayne and Guy to talk all things Arsenal-Newcastle nil-nil. We 
discussed kind of the penalty situations. We talked about the performance, what this might mean for the future. And we had a good chat about good old Mudrick as well. So plenty of stuff for you to catch up on if you haven't already given that a watch. But that is the last upload on the channel. So make sure you give that a listen. Now, Gabriel J- Jesus posted kind of a... Um, a montage, if you will. Uh, I've been taking tips from me on montages and uh, posted one about his recovery so far. Of course, he's now off his crutches. He's building up um, all of the strength and, and condition that he needs. I'll be talking about where you can get some more insight on this injury a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Miguel Aziz has been recalled from uh, Ibiza. Uh, no, not on holiday. The club Ibiza, where he spent time at Udi uh, Ibiza is where he was. He spent, um, obviously, the first six months of the season, he made 10 appearances in the second tier of the Spanish League, uh, making 593 minutes of experience there and played once in the Copa del Rey as well. Uh, however, couldn't score, didn't get an assist either during that period. And Arsenal have deemed now it best to recall him and move him towards, fingers crossed, um, hopefully anyway, another uh, alone maybe in the second half of the season. This is the second season in a row that uh, Aziz has been recalled from a loan deal. Of course, he spent time with Portsmouth. He did quite well when he was playing out there with Portsmouth. But as of this moment in time, um, there doesn't seem to be a long-term future at this stage. It seems very difficult for Aziz to make his way into the Arsenal team anytime soon. Now, Joao Felix was left out of Atletico Madrid's uh, Copa America game yesterday. They beat Oviedo, Real Oviedo, uh, 2-0. That is the Real Oviedo, of course, that uh, um, Marcelo Flores uh, does play for. He's on loan there at the moment. He was on the bench, but didn't come off the bench in that game. But yeah, no Joao Felix in the squad at all. In what was a, you know, a, a good strength side, if I run you through the Atleti team, a black Molina Jimenez Witzel, Hermoso, uh, Carrasco, Lamar, Koke, Marcus Llorente, Antoine Griezmann and Alvaro Morata. Uh, Kondogbia, Correa, Regulon came off the bench as well. So they had a strong team. No Joao Felix, however, in the side whatsoever. So read into that what you will. Um, but the Copa del Rey uh, did not include Joao Felix. And whether or not this will have an impact upon a future transfer, if it's because of that, We'll see. Um, But uh, yeah, certainly a very interesting development in the story. Of course, Cedric, of course, wasn't in Arsenal's team. And there could be an indication that might be that he's closing on an exit from Arsenal. But Joao Felix, not in the Atleti side that beat Real Oviedo. Um, Now, our second uh, main story of the day is, of course, the latest on Mihailo Mudrik. Now, it was quite a big day in regards to news. Of course, we found out that uh, Deja Serna, the um, director at uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, had flown to London to have talks with Chelsea. We don't know what the outcome of those talks, if they did indeed take place, were. Uh, However, what we do know is that Chelsea's further talks with Enzo Fernandez did uh, did not result in any kind of breakthrough. They are still trying to sign Enzo Fernandez, but they may find that a bit of a tricky one. Now, Ben Jacobs did report yesterday that Arsenal are said not to be worried still by the fact that Chelsea are uh, interested in the player and they are still confident about getting potentially a deal done. They know that the player is prioritising Arsenal. We've also seen reports coming from a number of Chelsea side of things suggesting that they feel as though it's just interest. I saw uh, some comments from Simon Phillips, who's a very kind of... um, 
well-connected guy within the uh, the Chelsea community. He runs Talk Chelsea and uh, does Chelsea news and stuff like that. He was basically saying that they kind of still expect Mudrick to move to Arsenal and that at this moment, Chelsea's name is probably being used to bump up the price uh, in regards to Mudrick rather than uh, it being kind of any competition for Arsenal. You may have also seen that there was a rather amusing image uh, posted to an Arsenal memes Instagram page yesterday. It, it was basically a Photoshop picture of Mudrick behind bars with the Shakhtar Donetsk logo in the corner. And Mudrick liked the picture. Now, I'm not, you know, usually one for talking about liking of Instagram posts or who players follow and things like that. But this is obviously quite different. It was a little bit strange. I know that our good friend Drew, who does our, uh, who's been on our recent podcast talking about Mudrick, doesn't particularly like the way that um, that Mudrick is kind of behaving online. But that was was rather amusing. Yes, as Terry says in the chat, it was with the hashtag Free Mudrick. You know what his position on things is. He wants to leave. He wants to move on. Uh, whether or not uh, Shakhtar Donetsk will end up agreeing a deal with Arsenal, of course, remains to be seen. But uh, it's going to take more than that 70 million euro, just under that 70 million euro figure that Arsenal reportedly offered. Uh, there is an expectation that that bid will be rejected um, and that second offer will be rejected and Arsenal will have to go in with a higher bid uh, for Mudrick as well. But on the Chelsea side of things, uh, it seems to be that they feel that their name's being used by Shakhtar to boost the price and to kind of force Arsenal into paying more money for the player. There is genuine interest, but at this moment in time, it doesn't seem to be any more than just interest, although talks have taken place. Arsenal continue to be in really strong and consistent talks with Mahalo Mudrick but uh, at this moment in time, there's no other update. Maybe we'll get one a little bit later on today or tomorrow. Uh, and the headline story is a bit of a strange one. And to be honest, I am questioning this one. Um, now, a report that comes from Spanish outlet Fajajes, Fajajes uh, however you want to best pronounce it, claims that Mikel Arteta wants to make a big offer of around £85 million, so the €100 million Euro figure for West Ham's Declan Rice. Um, now, what is our number one rule when it comes to kind of looking at transfers? My number one rule is check where the outlet is from. Are they reporting on a player that is from that country or plays in the league of that country? Does uh, there any other links in any other way? Or is it just one big play? Well, Fashaha is, is a Spanish outlet reporting on an English team moving to another English team. And I've not seen any other reports on this. They're the ones claiming that apparently there will be uh, Arsenal are ready to make a big offer on this one. I don't doubt that Arsenal have interest in Declan Rice, and I don't doubt that maybe they will be considering something in the summer. And I should clarify that they are talking about uh, a bid potentially in the summer. I think that the Enzo Fernandez deal with Chelsea will definitely have an impact on, on Rice's future. If Chelsea aren't able to come to any kind of agreement with Benfica about Enzo Fernandez, I think they will look to Rice as maybe the next best option for them. But with that, in, with that being said, it is no doubt that Arsenal have an interest and will be looking at Declan Rice to be a, a future possible midfield long-term replacement for Thomas Partey. But right as of now... I have my doubts about this particular story, building on what is probably obvious interest from Arsenal in Declan Rice. So do take that with a pinch of salt. As we always tell you, we report what's been reported and we'll give you our thoughts on what we think about the reliability of those reports. But uh, yes, questionable source on this one, that's for sure. Anyway, that brings us to the end to part one. So we're going to move to part two and your questions right after this. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so uh, first things first, uh, we recorded last night episode four of the Eat Sleep Arsenal Repeat podcast with brand new logo and brand new intro as well. So we'll be able to be treated to that when it comes out at midday UK time. As always, of course, we recorded this a day later than we usually would because Arsenal played on Tuesday night when we usually record the podcast. But this will be up a little bit later. I was joined by, uh, joined by Dr. Raj, Sophie and Owen was back as well, although I need to add him onto our, our showreel list there in the bottom corner. Um, Owen was back indeed. And we talked about kind of the squad depth, the need to add in the January transfer window. We also got Doc's uh, thoughts on Gabriel Jesus's progression from the videos and what we've seen of him getting rid of the crutches and what that means. There's a very amusing section on that. Uh, the impact that Smith Rowe can have, who is expected to start the game against Oxford on Monday night. Uh, and of course, in looking into more fitness stuff, the new year, new targets. Owen set me a challenge. Of course, Owen and Sophie are going to be over here in the UK uh, for the Manchester United game. I'm looking forward to seeing people um, during that period of time as well. Looking forward to that very much so. And uh, Owen set me a bit of a challenge. We also had a massive Strava update on the podcast as well for those that are joining our Strava group. We've got 40 people in there already uh, posting their exercises and stuff like that, which is great. If you want to join up, make sure you watch the podcast and get your details. But it was an amazing story that I covered during that show as well. So make sure you give that a listen. That'll be going out at midday UK time. So, Chatbox, let's get some of your questions into here. Uh, Yomi says, Tom, any thoughts on the Barcelona game? Uh, can they knock United out of the Europa? And what does this mean for our European chances? Now, when is the uh, date of this fixture? They play Manchester United. Is it February, I want to say? Uh, they play Manchester United on the 16th of February at home. And then they play them away from home on the 23rd of February. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Of course, Man United have really turned a bit of a corner recently and picked up some form. Uh, it is going to help our Europa League chances, of course, because they're the two the two probably biggest teams in that competition. Uh, we are waiting to see who will join us in the round of 16. We get a buy through to that round because we finished top of our group. But there's some very interesting teams that have dropped down from the Champions League. Uh, I'd still back Barcelona to win that game, but it's going to be very intriguing about who could go far. I'd almost forgotten about the Europa League because of everything that's going on with the Premier League. I'd kind of forgotten. I hope we progress. I hope that we add enough in January that we've got a big enough squad to deal with all the cup competitions we've got coming. But it's going to be a very intriguing run of fixtures, uh, that's for sure. And those Thursday nights coming back, it'll be interesting how they affect our weekend performances. They didn't do too much damage during the first half of the season. Let's see if they have any kind of 
impact on the second half of the season. Um, Andy says, should we throw the FA Cup to the kids and bench players? Andy, for me, because of the amount of time that we've got between the games, we had six days from Newcastle to Oxford and we have another six days between Oxford and Spurs. I'd go fairly strong. I'd still throw in players like Marquinhos, maybe give him a bit of a run, maybe give Saka or Martinelli a rest, throw Vieira in, give Erdegaard a bit of a rest. Smith Rowe, of course, we expect is probably going to play as well. Um, maybe obviously bring off one of the centre-backs. You've got Tommy Asu and Tini who are going to play. Turner, you expect to come in. But I'd still use players like Xhaka, potentially uh, still use someone like Partey, although we've got El Nino and Conga there that could cover. Uh, and Ketty, we don't really have any other options. And I would start him because I think it's another good opportunity to get him a goal in another competition. And I think we need to try and progress through that. Um, you know, whilst I'd rather we focused efforts on the Premier League, it's important to use the cup competition. It's important to try and win an important trophy, which the FA Cup definitely is. So I think that it's not about throwing the kids, but I think that we should rotate a bit, but also use it as an opportunity to build up a, a momentum going into the North London derby. That's going to be very much important. Um, Amira says, do transfer requests not exist in Ukraine? Wouldn't it be more respectful and effective? Not as funny, though, uh, than whatever he's done online. I'm not so sure. I don't know if there's kind of that, I say respect about because of the whole situation over in Ukraine right now. And does he really want to rock the boat that much? But what he's doing on social media is is rocking the boat pretty hard. So I don't know what, he's kind of done everything except throw in a transfer request at this stage. So let's see if that ends up happening. But uh, he clearly wants to leave and he clearly wants to move to Arsenal. Uh, Benji says, Tom, if Mudrick gets too expensive, why not move for a player like Elise at Palace? He'd bring a lot of close control and ability to break a low block. Scary to see him under Arteta. It's a good option. It's a good alternative. I like my, uh, Michelle Elise. Uh, I think he's a fantastic young player and has done really well since moving from Reading to Palace, along with Eze. Of course, he's done really well too under Patrick Vieira. Uh, whether or not he's the right profile of wide player for us to bring in, yes, technically good, passing good. Is he the guy that's going to be able to be a bit of a killer for us in those finishes of games? I'm not sure as much as what Mudrick would be. The big thing about Madrid continues to be the price. We'll see how much Arsenal are willing to go to. But Chelsea's interest and kind of presence in this whole thing has given Shakhtar a bit of a boost in that sense. But the way in which we're being boosted by the fact that Chelsea's interest seems to be at this moment just interest and that the player certainly wants to still move to Arsenal and that Arsenal remain confident, that's all good for us. We just got to help our hope to rather see them deliver on this one now as well. Uh, Mo says, morning Tom, do you see Arsenal walking away from the Madrid deal? And if so, who do we go for if we need players in ASAP? Uh, I only see them kind of walking away if Shakhtar refuse to budge whatsoever on that £88 million valuation that they have. I'm hoping that Arsenal can kind of get this done for around £70 million if they if they choose to go that high. I don't want to see them really pay a record fee for him at 72 plus. If they can get him for a maximum of 70 million, I think that should, if we can pay a lot of it up front, of course, as well, um, that hopefully will be enough to convince Shakhtar to sell. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Timmy says, what are the updates on Saka Saliba Martinelli's contracts? Worried about us having to trigger contract options not being a good sign. I've been asked this a couple of times about the option. I've told people not to worry too much about that. We are in January. If you remember, you're in a situation whereby um, you don't want the players running down the end of their contract so that they could have signed a pre-contract agreement with another club, which would have happened, of course. So outside of the UK, obviously. But it protects us from that, you know, because a team, say, abroad could have come in offered mad wages for a player, like Real Madrid could have come in for, or PSG could have come in for Saliba. 
um, offered him ridiculous wages that they wouldn't have been able to do with combination of a transfer fee that they would have to offer in the summer. Um, and that might have been able to convince the players to move. So it's good that we've done that. It's necessary. I'm not too concerned. I'm very confident about Saka and Gabriel Martinelli in particular. It's all the hope really is regarding Saliba and hoping that he signs. I'm hoping that Arsenal's position in the table and what they might do in January will be further evidence of convincing them to sign new deals. Uh, Zana says, if Mudrik comes in on a high fee but helps us finish first and we get the Premier League prize money and Champions League revenue, does it make it worth it? I mean, if we win the Premier League, it makes it worth it immediately. And I've kind of said this, like we're all talking about how much Mudrik is going for and how much we might have to overspend for Mudrik. If, we, if he smashes it and if he's brilliant... We're not going to hear any whispers about how much we paid for him. If he's great and does everything that the promise is there for him to do, there isn't going to be any discussion or any worry or any hindsight about what we paid. We're just going to focus on what he's ultimately doing at the team. That's what's going to be fun. So we'll see. Uh, Jonathan says, Tom, do you think Arsenal should test Napoli's resolve for Kvavac-Skelia? Uh, the Mudrik transfer is becoming a bit of a saga with Chelsea now being involved. Uh, Newcastle are a team that like Kvavac-Skelia uh, a lot. Uh, I like him a lot as well. I've been very impressed with him since his move as well. Um, I'm looking forward, hopefully, to seeing Mudrik be the guy. But if he's not, he's definitely Kovacskelia, a good replacement, uh, a good alternative for Mudrik. But I don't know how much interest there is from Arsenal side of things in the player at the moment. Uh, Tom says, uh, hi, Tom. Uh, would you prefer spending 15 million on a six-month Raul Felix loan on a permanent, uh, for obviously that, or a permanent Tielemans deal if we secure Mudrik with Smith Rowe's return? I'm more worried about our midfield. I'm, I still lean towards Joao Felix. Reason being is because Tillemans doesn't cover the position in the midfield that I most worry about, which is Partey's position. Tillemans doesn't give us that. Xhaka's position, we've got Vieira that can play there. We've got Lokonga that can play there. You've arguably got El Nene. You could still push forward and play if you want to be more conservative. And you've got um, Emil Smith-Rowe, who is coming back. And as we talk a bit about on this lunchtime podcast that will be coming out later, there is some interesting data about what Smith-Rowe could do in that position. Uh, Riley says, to what extent can we expect Smith-Rowe to come in and provide the firepower we need in the short term with him being out of action for so long? long I think expectations should be curbed a bit you know he needs to readjust he needs to come back in they have been very patient with him he's been involved in training for some time he joined obviously the team in Dubai and was there with the warm weather training he's gradually getting back to full fitness and he's hopefully fingers crossed going to be involved against Oxford the Athletics seem to feel he's going to start that game they've been very patient and they want to get him into a position whereby he can hit the ground running and not have to worry about re-injuring himself um, we've just seen Reese James get rushed back by Chelsea and then re-injure himself. Arsenal don't want to make that mistake with Smith-Rowe and hopefully they won't. Uh, Shree says, Tom, in the Premier League, are we taking, are we playing, sorry, football for 90 minutes? I think we barely play 50 minutes with so much that's happening, like the subs, injury time, and of course, time-wasting as well. Uh, apparently, we played 51 minutes of football against Newcastle, which is kind of mad, uh, with five minutes added time at the end of the second half. Something that needs to be taken into account um, and maybe the, F the the FIFA World Cup strategy is the way to go. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, a massive thank you to Brian Gibbs uh, for joining up as a brand new member of the channel. Thank you so much for the kind support. Uh, we've got a couple of members joining up today. Fantastic to see. Uh, Aya, thank you for the donation. It's astonishing how this Mudrick saga has shown how immature fans are. Uh, emotion over reason. Fans are seriously making up reasons as to why paying 70 million for a player they haven't watched makes sense. What about the people that are making up reasons for paying that much that have watched him? 
like myself. You know, I think ultimately, if we if you were to take, bring in the player and he's the difference between winning a title and not, you're not going to talk about the price. It's a lot of money. You are overpaying for him. I think we can all agree on that. It's more money than he is worth. But we might have to do that to get in a player that could be brilliant and a difference maker for us this season. Uh, Adam says, does our lack of plan B during games worry you? Plan A clearly works because it got us top of the league. But do we need a plan B? Adam, the question is, what is plan B? That That's kind of what it is. Plan B flinging balls into the box for a tall striker to try and head down chances. I mean, we've got Gabriel that often goes up for these big chances. We've got other big players in the team now. You think of Partey, you think of Xhaka. Um, you think of White, you think of Tommy Asu as an imposing figure, Saliba as an imposing figure. So we have tall players, um, more so in defence than anything, but from set pieces they can be dangerous, as we know. We should have had a penalty, to be fair, from Gabriel's opportunity too. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think that Arsenal will ever really move to that plan B style. Arsenal will always be a team that kind of is a bit of a war of attrition, eventually will do so much that it eventually then leads to Arsenal breaking through, playing the way that they play. And as you say, it has got us top of the league. We may have to pivot a little bit. We've gone behind in games against Fulham, in games against West Ham. We've come back and we've won those games. So fingers crossed, we won't necessarily need such a drastic change for a plan B and that we can just continue to push until we find our breakthrough. Um, Timmy says, Tom, any luck on lining up a show on FFP would be good to understand better since so many decisions hinge on them. Uh, the Swiss Ramble, maybe, to do a show. Uh, I don't know if Swiss Ramble's done any real podcast recently. I'm not sure. Um, FFP, the, the problem with doing a show on FFP is that it's so broad, it's so misunderstood, it's so kind of not even, not lax in the right word, but it's just not consistent. It seems like Chelsea are spending hand over fist and we're not seeing any kind of slowing down from them. So I'd love to do a show on on more details on it. The opportunity hasn't really come up at the moment, but I'll keep it on the back burner if I find the right guests for us to do that with. Um, Mohamed says, why can't you just say that the ideal would have been Saka, Marty and Saliba signing new contracts and that us triggering extensions mean negotiations are not as smooth as we claim? Um I don't think there's been any claims about how smooth it is. We've had claims about the confidence that Arsenal have in those getting done. We've just had the World Cup, you know, and we're in the middle of the January transfer window now. Arteta says they're happy, you know, and they want to stay at Arsenal. It's as simple as that. The idea that they're triggering the extensions and the options, for me, it's not a, it's not a sign of them not going smoothly. It's also a sign that they've not yet signed and maybe they're not close to signing as of yet. But it's certainly not something that I think is a bad thing right now. So it's not a case of going, why can't you just say this? Because I don't think that. That's why I can't say that, because I don't believe that's the case. Um, Belagia says, Tom, do you think we should overpay for Mudrik? We do this now, then we'll never be able to negotiate any decent deals in the future. We end up adding to an already inflated market. Um the market is always going to be over uh, overinflated. Teams are always going to overpay for players. And if Arsenal want to be at the top of the league and Arsenal want to be at the top competing, unfortunately, we are going to have to do a bit of that ourselves. That's just the reality that we're in. You know, you think about Liverpool doing what they've done. They're kind of coming towards an end of a cycle. If we want to be consistent and want to be up there for longer than Liverpool maintain that period of time that they are up there, we are going to have to play the game a bit. Um, and that is going to come down to the ownership. That is going to come down, as Dan Potts said on yesterday's show, the owners putting in, investing more money and Arsenal being able to compete, but still doing it smartly. We still need to be smart with who we sign, 
but we can indeed if we have to overpay for players that are the right players it's when you overpay for the wrong players that are certainly much more of a problem uh let's scroll down a little bit more uh Olu says hey tom we have a better project in champions league football than chelsea Will we be more attractive than the lights uh, for the likes of Rice uh, in the summer? Uh, I think ultimately we have overtaken Chelsea a bit. We are more attractive prospect and project than Chelsea are at the moment. They're 10th in the table. They don't necessarily look like they're turning things around. They're on a long-term project, yes, but they don't have the attractiveness, only the ability to pay big money and big wages for players, which if you're not in the Champions League, which they certainly might miss out on for next season, that is going to be a big, big problem for them. Um, so we'll see if things change. I've been so preoccupied, to be honest, with the title chase and where we are in the table. I've not really checked how close 10th place even is to the top four. Fourth place, Man United on 35. Chelsea are on 25, having played a game less. And of course, the next game is against Manchester City. They're 10 points off fourth place right now. They are a staggering 19 points off of us. So... I'm not sure I'd be looking at Chelsea right now and thinking, yeah, they're the team to go to over Arsenal. So I am more confident about our project compared to Chelsea's, that's for sure. Um, let's scroll down um, and go to Alan, who says, Tom, if the Mudrick deal gets too expensive, what would you rather do? Still get him and wait to get Liao, hypothetically, in the summer. Um, I think that Liao is probably going to sign a new contract at Milan. Uh, so I don't think Liao is, is even an option, hypothetically. Uh, I'd rather sign, I think Mudrick is better suited to what we're doing, um, but I like Liao a lot. I think his versatility, the ability to play striker is also an attractive trait. If we've got money to spend in the summer, you know, it's not a bad idea to look at bringing in both players, you know, because I think Liao can play through the middle and could be an option for us there in the future. That might be bad news for Eddie and Ketia, but you need to be ruthless in terms of your squad building, that's for sure. Um, Paul says, are the Madrid doubters suffering a bit of Pepe PTSD? Um, maybe, Paul, and I changed your terminology because I think PTSD potentially suits the phrasing better. Um, I think the people are worried that we're going to overpay for Madrid and he's going to flop, of course. Why wouldn't we worry about that? The last time we paid money in this kind of level for a player, that's exactly what happens. But the difference between this and the Pepe deal is that Madrid suits Arsenal a lot better. Arteta's recruitment has been nearly flawless. We've only made a couple of questionable decisions and they tended to be right at the start of his tenure at the club. Uh, and what we've done recently has been very good and obviously has con continued to build a structure that's seen us now top of the table. So, I'm confident, I'm trusting, I'm um, reassured by what we've done. That If they're going to spend money on a player, they know them to be the right player for what we want to do. Um, Mohamed says, talking about curbing enthusiasm, Mudrik has been on a vacation for how many weeks now? Add to that the time he needs to settle and adjust. Look, that is always something we talked about on the tactical breakdown is that he has not played for some time. He is going to take some time to get up to speed to get to match fitness. A lot of players are like that, especially on the continent that have been on breaks um so yes it's going to take some time i'm sure he's been keeping fit you know the club will make sure that shakhtar want him being keeping fit shakhtar meet for their first well their first meeting i think on the ninth and then they've got a game uh mid-january uh i can't remember who the opponent is um but they've got a meet they've got a game in mid-january on a friendly before they get back to competitive action as well hopefully arsenal will try to get the deal done before then um Let's go to um, 
Elliot, who says, hey, Tom, why not ask Mike from the Gooners Pod to be a guest uh, for FFP? I don't – Mike's very good with finances, but I don't know about his understanding of FFP. I would have to ask him. Um, but uh, Mike's very good with the finances side of things and did a good show on his channel talking, breaking down all the latest finances from last year. So um, make sure if you haven't already checked that out, please go and do that. Um, Lucas says, I'm seeing reports that Kronke is the richest owner in the Premier League. Is this true? Uh, I, maybe if they're not counting shareholders, uh, the only way I can see that be true is if they're not counting shareholders. But um, I would have thought Newcastle's are the most expensive, the most uh, wealthy owners in the in the league. Uh, Dragon says, "Hey Tom, just wanted to say a big thank you for your work and content. Thanks, mate. Uh, you inspired me to start doing more Arsenal content myself, and it has been awesome. Looking forward to my journey. Thanks, mate." You're very welcome, Dragan, and thank you so much for listening and tuning in. We've had a lot of people that have sent me messages like that. They've said they've gone on to to produce their own content. Of course, we've had loads of guests come on the show that have now gone on to do, you know, other podcasts. Of course, Owen and Jared, you know, for instance, a couple of our members, first ever members on the channel, have gone off and now doing a lot more podcasting. Um, Loads of people have gone on to do stuff, uh, having first jumped on here. Uh, And I think it's great. We're like the Red Bull Salzburg of Arsenal podcasts, if you like. And I've had a lot of people say that they've got into doing more writing. And I've had a few DMs over the last couple of days asking about how you get into writing. Sorry if I've not got back to you yet. Uh, I've been going back to work for my annual leave. So things have been very busy recently. I will endeavour to try and reply to your messages as soon as I can. In short, though, just if people are wondering how the best way to get into writing and stuff like that is, the first step is to just do it. If you've got an idea and you think that you've got to say something you want to write about that you don't think anyone's really covered, go to one of the Arsenal blog places. That's quite a good place. Not your, like your Football Londons and your your goals and your, your BBCs and stuff, but like the independent um, blog article websites. Um, Total Football Analysis are good for that. Um, you've got... Uh, outside of the boot I used to work for. I don't know if they're still running, but they did some good stuff. You are my Arsenal, of course. You know, they're always looking for some Arsenal writer content. So uh, if you've got an idea, pitch it, you know, write it, pitch it and send it in. The best way for you to practice is to buy sending out emails, sending out um, requests. And if you want to get into the business, I got into it by just emailing and pestering people until someone eventually gave me a job and then built my way from there. So that's the best way to do it. Uh, It's just to keep working hard because it's graft. It is graft, but uh, hopefully there's a reward at the end of it. Um, Let's go to Daniel says, Tom, have you seen that Newcastle YouTuber calling Arsenal fans crybabies and then laying into Ty from AFTV? No, Daniel, I can't say I have seen that. I have seen a few Newcastle fans getting quite brave in the comment sections of my videos, to be fair. But uh, man, if you're spending your your only life doing things like that, (laughs) that's your choice. I wouldn't waste my own life doing that. But uh, no, I've not seen that video. Um, and I probably won't, to be honest. I probably won't try and seek that out. Uh, DeAndre says, would it change your opinion on Mudrick if he pulled a Rafinha and basically said he only wants Arsenal? Does that set a bad precedent of when he does join the team? How I don't know how that would set a bad precedent. If he said that he only wanted Arsenal and then joined Chelsea, that obviously changes kind of a viewpoint about him on a social level. But uh, I don't think the question, as you ask in situ, would change or would set a bad precedent, you know, at all, to be honest. You know, if he only wants Arsenal, great. If he moves to us, that's great. I think there are a lot of similarities with the Rafinha deal uh, in the regards to kind of him wanting one club, Chelsea coming in, 
and him moving to the club that he always wanted to go to because he didn't want to go to Chelsea. I'm hoping that that leans in our favour, but we're going to have to wait and see if that turns out to be the case. Uh, Adam says, has Eddie had to change his style because he's stri- uh, because he's now playing in this striker role and we're asking him to play centre-forward? Only a small difference, but Jesus plays in this centre-forward role, so will uh, and a striker is a bit different. Honestly, the only difference between striker and centre-forward is FIFA and video games. In reality... The centre-forward striker position are very the same. They are the same position. You know, it's just because FIFA's used the two areas to be slightly different. They put a centre-forward deeper on the video games that for some reason, there's this misconception now that a centre-forward plays deeper than a striker. In reality, that's a load of BS. You know, striker and centre-forward are the same. The best way to, uh, to describe it is obviously more so as like a false nine. That's better way to describe a slightly deeper striker. I don't think either Eddie or Jesus are false nines. I think they are just strikers that stylistically, Jesus in particular, drops in deeper. And Eddie is learning that style. There is no doubt in my mind that Jesus is a striker and a centre forward. I think they are the same thing. I just think that video games have unfortunately kind of affected the way that we think about stuff, um, which is a shame because, you know, football is not kind of this set formation, a right-back's a right-back, a CDM's a CDM, a centre-mid's a centre-mid. You know, so many different styles and roles within those positions that we've been kind of set in our ways about specific roles. So, yeah, striker and centre-forward are the same. Um, But, yeah, I'm not surprised you never considered it because we've been kind of, what's the word, Um, shoehorned into believing these set roles for set players, you know. Uh, there used to be massive debates about whether Partey was a defensive midfielder. And I love Clive from the Arsenal Visions theory of, Every midfield, every centre midfielder is an eight. Some eights are more defensive and more towards the six. Some eights are more offensive and play towards more of a 10. And some eights are just kind of box to box, you know. Um, and I like that theory a lot. I agree. I think that all centre mids, all midfielders that play in the middle are centre mids. Some are more defensive. Some are more offensive. Some are a bit in between. I know that we like to use six, eight, ten as a bit of a differentiation, but there are players in between eights and tens. I think Erdegaard is playing in between an eight and a ten role. So it's very difficult to kind of just categorize players within these specific roles. And I don't really like doing that as much. I'm trying to get away from using the Ajax number system, even though I have used it a lot. I just think that it's much better to be more broad with the way we describe players because that gives you room for description rather than being so set at saying, you're this or this or this. You know, it's much better to be a little more cavalier, I suppose, with the description. Um, so as I said, uh, a little bit later on today, midday UK time, um, we'll be releasing episode four of the Eat Sleep Arsenal repeat podcast. Uh, so do indeed join us. Uh, then that'll be premiered. So it won't be live. It will be a premiere of a pre-recorded podcast, as it always is over there. Uh, so do listen for that. I'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m., of course, for the next show. Is it Thursday today or is it Wednesday? It's Thursday. Cool. Friday tomorrow. Hopefully I have a special show Friday afternoon, 6 p.m. as well for you to uh, absorb uh, so I'm looking forward to bringing you that as well. I hope you had a fantastic day, people. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, and of course, turn those notifications on as well so you never miss a show. I'll be producing plenty of written content for you over on football.london later today. Uh, but other than that, it's been a genuine pleasure as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.